Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I really wanted us to concentrate on local only races. I didn't want to deal with any of the governor, any of those races. So you put you put a name in there and just don't do anything because you have to have a name in there mm-hmm. um, if you want to stay on the ballot in Michigan. But like, let's let's run people for school boards, for governor, or for, I'm sorry, school board, sheriff. Um, all the local boards and they were like, no, that's not a winning strategy. So we threw away maybe a hundred thousand dollars for literally no seats. Oh, what is up everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the in Liberty and health podcast where we talk all things, Liberty health and wellness and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all, right. all right everybody this is in liberty and health episode number 215 and today i mr i have wow i can't talk apparently <laughs> mr <laughs> stephen fox how you doing dude good man how's it going excellent uh very very pleased to sit down and chat with you um as everybody knows you run a uh, fox and sons coffee who uh runs with the show and uh you also have a great taste of music and i think you and i kind of have a little bit of uh I want to say something in common when it comes to like entrepreneurialism, if that's the right word. Cause yeah. uh, you know, I watched my dad run a business growing up and now um, you know, you're kind of doing the same thing with uh, your son as well. So uh, I guess real quick, give everybody a brief introduction just in case they don't know who you are. Yeah. Well, um, again, Stephen Fox uh, grew up in Detroit, Michigan. I've been in photography for probably close to 30 years uh do commercial photography um portraiture that kind of stuff um now we started a business called fox and sons coffee and we are in 22 stores 23 stores sorry we just added one um uh it started as a kind of like a side gig almost kind of fell into it and then uh it just it just ballooned it's kind of almost taking over everything else i'm doing Mm. Um, was a member of the LP for two years, um, growing up in the church. And now, uh, we are, my wife and I are belong to a church in West Michigan here. And, um, other than that, I just, I like to, uh, listen to music, um, trying to learn how to play guitar, but I still suck. And, um, yeah, interest, super interested in politics. I've always been. So, 
Yeah, it's a uh, kind of all-encompassing thing, and uh, if you uh, gaze too long into the abyss, eventually the abyss looks back at you when it comes to <laughs> politics. Um, yeah. So that, that's actually really interesting that uh, your you know your coffee company, which was your side gig, kind of took off as much as it did because twenty-two stores. It, it seems like most people will like start a coffee company and then like just kind of eh, trickles along, and then maybe they eventually quit doing it. But for you, it seems to be the kind like the opposite. Like you really did really well for yourself there yeah i mean we're you know we're not making tons of money but we're 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 getting the we're getting noticed we're getting out there i mean really what happened was um when i first started it i started it with my kids i wanted to start a business with them um you know as my website says i i have a love for coffee i always have grew up drinking coffee with my dad when I would go to work with him on Saturdays. I started working with my dad on Saturdays when I was like six, mm-hmm. I'd go in and he'd give me a buck a day and I would straighten shelves and ring up customers and sweep the floor and that kind of stuff. And I think it was more for my dad just to spend time with me, um, keep me out of my mom's hair, that kind of stuff. But <clears throat> it was just an incredibly special time. Um, you know, just got to learn a lot from my dad. We had some, a lot of amazing conversations. We'd always go out to breakfast those days, but um, I'll get off the spiel there. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> I just had um, to, well, how the coffee company's going. Yeah. So, uh, but what happened was, is when I first started doing it, I was like, okay, I'm going to advertise on some shows and I'll just get a bunch of coffee and I'll advertise on shows and I'll just start mail and I'll start shipping stuff out left and right. It's going to be great. And I started out with Buck Johnson. Um, great guy. I love him. Uh, love his show. But I started out with him and I was really expecting after that first ad, man, I had like 96 bags sitting in boxes waiting, ready to go. Mm-hmm. And I got like three orders and I was like, Oh crap! I'm screwed. You know, I was like, I made this huge investment. We bought all the stuff. We got everything ready. Got the website. Got all the stuff going, and literally just crickets. I mean, a couple orders here, a couple orders there, and I was like, that's it. I got to go hit stores, and just went out and started hitting stores in West Michigan, and got my first store, second, third. You know, now we're in 23, and we opened in August. I got my first store in October, so. Mm-hmm. whatever that math works out to be um now we're in june and we're doing pretty fairly well with it i'm in three markets now we're doing farmers markets so we're selling it in the farmers markets we're selling it in the stores um people are reordering after they're buying it we're in west michigan here we're in a huge vacation spot like like everything up the coast is all vacation rental homes like there's everything and so we get the Chicago people coming in and just like, they'll come to the market. Like today I sold 26 bags, 25 bags of the market in four hours, mm-hmm. you know, and just, they just come in and they'll buy two or three bags at a time and then they'll reorder. And so that's, I mean, it's growing to the point where, um, it's, it's more than just a side gig. It's more than just a, um, I'm going to teach my kids how to do something. It, it's like, well, this is actually it's actually becoming more than it was than I was expecting it ever to be. Yeah, dude, that's a, that's really, really cool to hear. And uh, it seems like you did a lot of kind of footwork at first and you didn't see the return until, well, fuck almost a year later now. Um, yeah. But it seems like now you're starting to see that return. So it seems 
probably now I'm guessing in your mind, it's kind of like, oh, well, maybe that wasn't all initially for waste. It was kind of like the necessary sacrifice. And obviously, you know, if you could had the hindsight, it, it would be different. But like, it seems like you've laid a good foundation down. And now that's starting to kind of, you know, repay. Yeah. And, and I've done that with, you know, photography where you, you're like, okay, we're going to do this kind of photography. And it's like, eh, it's not working out. So you got to go where the money is. You got to, you got to make, you got to shift and be able to move quickly and be able to get, um, be able to get to where you need to be so you can provide for your family. I mean, it's just like, I mean, there's, there's been times where we've been shooting, you know, 10 weddings a year for five, six grand. Mm-hmm. And then there's times where it's like, we don't have anywhere coming in. So you just shift, you, you just keep moving to where the market goes to. And you have to, you just have to keep your ear to the ground and kind of know where, how to get that stuff. Um, I mean, I've always been a hustler, always, be, you know, been able to hustle when I was, other than working with my dad, I, I had a lawnmower when I was like 10 and just mowed lawns in the neighborhood for a couple bucks always i was always working somewhere trying to make some money you know doing something you know and that was 16 now it was 16 yeah i was working two jobs in high school so it's like back when the government didn't control everything but yeah i was i was working you know, i was working at mcdonald's and i was working for my dad you know and then paper routes and whatever else i was always hustling so yeah i'm noticing, kinda, a, noticing a pattern there <laughs> yeah it's it's in my blood it's always been there you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to start something and rock it out for a while and then move on to something different. But the one thing that's always happened is like, I have to work for myself. I cannot work for other people. I just, I cannot work for other people. Just, it never works out well for me or for them. <laughs> so like being employed by somebody just was not a, not a good way for me to go. Yeah. So. I've noticed that there are definitely some people like that who just can't do like a strict nine to five or can't work underneath somebody. Um, one yeah. person that comes to mind is my dad's best friend. His name's Herm. And, uh, you know, he's kind of like the every man he could, uh, he's a constable. He does all this construction work. He could fix cars. He could build race cars, just like the every man, but you could never get him down just to do one thing. It was always yeah. like he, he was, he was a gig worker. And, um, I think what a lot of people miss when they talk about like unemployment numbers and stuff like that, people like you people like Herm who are always working but you may not necessarily be like employed at one place and I think that's becoming like a larger and larger sect of the economy because when you look at uh, I think it's like the labor force participation rate I've looked at these numbers in fucking forever but like I'm pretty sure it's usually in like the low 60 percent so right now I'm guessing if I had to guess you know what I could probably find it um most people are just getting jobs like you and then they just kind of go do um you know, work like that to uh, fill their, um, you know, to pad their walls. But though, like you said, as um, government kind of takes more and more control of your life, people begin to realize that, uh, hey, maybe this is a better way to go um, rather than, you know, being meaningfully employed. Okay, yeah, February, let me see, March 2023, 62.6%. That's the workforce participation rate right now. So, yeah, like I said, you have almost probably – if unemployment's like 5%, which I'm guessing that's probably right around there, then you have like 30% of people working right now, the gig economy, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, everybody I know, like everybody in my circle is all working that gig economy too. It's like, it's just who we are. It's, it's how we function. You know, I'll take a job here and there. You know, I worked for a dealership for a couple of years doing photography. Mm-hmm. I've done 
truck driving. I've done, you know, worked in restaurants. I've bartended. I've done everything. You know, it's like in, in the winter, it's slower. There's less photography work. So I'll take those gigs in the winter. Like this winter, I'll be working up at the local high school. I'll be doing, you know, cleaning there at night. So yeah. It's just anything to keep me out of a normal nine to five. Because when I do nine to fives, it it just like it's soul sucking for me. Yeah. Absolutely soul sucking. Huh. It's kind of funny so. because like I am a very 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 structured person. <clears throat> like every day, I know what I'm going to eat. I know what I'm getting up. <laughs> I, I you know I know when I'm going to work. I know when I'm leaving. I know when I'm going to the gym. <laughs> and usually, like I, I'm looking at my calendar, like okay, I have a podcast with this person on this day. Um, and then like if people cancel, it's not like the end of the world, but like. I very, very, very regimented. So like I, for me, not having like the consistency there, it, it would drive me fucking nuts. Like I'm so analytical, especially even when it comes to, like food, I already know I'm going to eat usually like a day, sometimes even a week out just so that way I'm <laughs> there. Like I don't have to think That's about funny. it. I just, I just got to go. <laughs> yeah. And like my schedule is constantly changing. Like mm-hmm. this morning it changed to where my Wednesdays now got full for the next probably four months doing a market and then somewhere else by us the farmer's market so it's just it's constantly changing it's constantly in flux like it yeah tomorrow i gotta go drive six hours to go Mm -hmm. run up north to go grab some stuff and then come back down you know it's just like that's just my schedule's always like that so yeah but but it's i mean it's it's just what i'm used to it's what i've always done so yeah, just kind of one thing after another. Like I said, I would, yeah. I I'd get, I drive myself absolutely nuts. Like I, uh, you know, mm. I, I think we're kind of built for, I don't want to say burden, but you know, the machine's not built to be content. Um, I was talking to a uh, guy yesterday about this on the podcast, where like whenever you're working out, you set a personal record. So like right now, my max deadlift is 530 pounds. And like, I remember when I, I remember the first time I did 500 and thinking, you know, I'm not going to go any heavier. I think I'm good. And then like a week later there I am trying to pull a little bit more and just, it it never stops. You know, as soon as you give yourself one thing, as soon as you hit one goal, then it's like, well, how much further can I push this? Because like you get that little moment and then it's gone and you just got to keep going. So yeah, I, I think the human machine is built for you to just homeostasis and being content it's meant to keep driving i think that's probably what's going through your head when you're looking at different jobs and different stuff that you could do but especially like i think with your coffee business too as it grows and grows and grows i have to imagine it's kind of like you didn't think that it was going to get to be what it is but now here you are no i was expecting to do two roasts and have it like you know have like 20 30 orders a week coming in online and not really in the stores and just that was really all I wanted at first. And then just, it just became an animal and just kind of grew to a point where, where it was so, you know, it's, it's now all consuming the summer. Mm-hmm. So it'll die down again in the winter and then I'll be doing other stuff, but yeah. So, yeah. um, but okay. No, no, I would say I, I almost took a job at, um, there's a pretty really great music store in the locally and they offered me a gig like selling and it sounded great and all that stuff. But it was like, I was like, well, then I can't do this and I can't do that. And I can't do my coffee business. And what happens if a shoe comes up? And it was like, so I called him one day. I'm like, no, can't take it, man. I love you guys. I love your store. I'll keep shopping there. You know, I go in there all the time looking at stuff and playing with stuff and like, but I just, I can't, 
like I can't do it. <laughs> so, which really sucked because I really wanted to be there. Like, right. in fact, I kind of pursued them. I sent them my resume and I was like, hey, if you ever have anything open, let me know. Mm hmm. And then they contact me. I'm like, nah, no, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this is going to work, guys. Sorry. Um, so you mentioned going to the farmer's markets. And, like, this is a really, really cool kind of thing that happens. Um, my wife and I went to one. It was behind a fire hall a couple weeks ago. And, like, I, I think these little markets that just pop up in random places where people bring their food trucks or whatever mm -hmm. business they have, I always thought those events were, like, the coolest thing in the world because – you have like little pieces of people's cultures all throughout like your town, your locality yeah. or whatever that'll just kind of come together and everybody just hangs out, shoots the shit. You can go, you know, go get a, you know, go get an old fashioned here, go get some ribs somewhere else. Like I thought that shit's mm -hmm. kind of cool. So um, it, it, is, has that kind of been your experience too? Like it's a enjoyable yeah. vibe. Yeah, it's a, it, I didn't realize how much fun it was on the other end of it. I've yeah. always been on the consumer end. You know, there's one of the biggest farmer's markets in Michigan is in Holland, where mm -hmm. it's like a few minutes from where I live. Nice. And we would go there every Saturday, and I'll go and I'll get like, you know, I'll just go down. I got my guys I buy from. I got my cauliflower guy. I got my lettuce guy. You know, oh, I yeah. Like, I just go down and get all the stuff from them. And, and now that I'm on the other end, like – all the vendors are super cool. We're all having a blast. We're all just, you know, having a f goofing off all day. There's a guy across from me that just sits there and plays acoustic guitar between his guests. You know, he's, you know, today he was playing some Beatles stuff and it was just like, I was kind of like, Oh, I know that song. You know, it's just one of those things. And, and it's just, it's a great environment. And I think, I think the best part about it is it gives people, it gives the creatives like myself a chance to, reach those people and, and give them something that they haven't had before. But it also gives, you know, it, that that's part of building a community. That's part of, you know, having, having something where like, yeah, I grow lettuce or I sell coffee or I do this and, and people are coming in and you get to actually talk with them. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's great. I've had some amazing conversations and I've had some, um, you know, some really great, experiences now i mean yeah of course you get the you get the people that are just nuts or like you know they taste they taste my coffee and i had somebody you've had the boogaloo before right mm -hmm. okay i had a i had a lady try it and she's like oh my god this is the strongest coffee i've ever had and i was just like really <laughs> like that's not strong at all <laughs> like <laughs> you must drink water with a little bit of coffee flavoring in it like i don't get that but yeah. but then you like you get such great people coming in afterwards and, you know, just super excited to have you out there and, and communities like that want the farmer's market. So you get like all these people coming out. I did one on Thursday last week where they all came out and I, I mean, I sold out on a market that's brand new market in this oh, super wow. small town. And it was because like they want us there. So they're gonna the people in the community are gonna do everything to keep us going there and keep keep you know that fresh produce and that um you know the the niche markets going so that they have so that they have that so they can build that legacy and plus I think like we you know with everything that we experienced in 2020 I think people realize that um that that's important like that's that's the culture that we're missing that's the neighbor that you never talk to that you see at the market and 
you know, I think it makes a huge difference. I think those markets make a big difference in communities. And I think that they're super positive. Now, I mean, yeah, you get your insane leftists at those things that are like, you know, you know, we're going to sell you vegan meat. that's all soy and fillers and garbage. But, um, but like I said, I've, I've, there's not been one vendor that I've met that's been bad or rude or horrible. Like everybody loves the community and cares about it. Mm-hmm. So the, yeah, the markets are the best thing. And I think that's the best thing for us to do is like, I don't know if it's uh, I don't know what you call our community, like like liberty minded community. What's up everybody. Um, we're going to take a quick break and tell you about the show's sponsors. Um, we are brought to you by element T electrolytes. I've been using this stuff for years and what I've honestly found is that if I didn't have electrolytes before some kind of cardio and sometimes even before workouts that my workout performance or definitely cardio performance would suffer greatly. Um, Sodium is responsible for every single movement pretty much in your entire body and let's say you drink a lot of caffeine like I like to do then um, maybe it is a good idea like I do every single morning. Um, Put some LMNT chocolate electrolytes um, there in your coffee to get a little bit more sodium, potassium, and uh, magnesium in your coffee so that way whatever diuretic effect you get from the caffeine is pretty much diluted by the fact that you put chocolate salt in it. Um, Also, it tastes really, really good. Get some uh, chocolate creamer, hazelnut creamer, even coconut. Uh, mix that all up it tastes really really good so uh yeah make sure you drop by go to drinklmnt.com slash in liberty and health and uh pick you up some electrolytes today all right guys thanks like we need to support that absolutely so that so that those people those businesses those families can keep growing and keep prospering Mm -hmm. you know and plus like you know when you're eating just total garbage all the time you know, so you're eating the good stuff. You're eating those good vegetables. You're eating the the good fruit. You're, you know, it's not processed. It's not made by some company that sprays like chemicals on it every day so it grows faster. You're you're getting stuff that's like good stuff. You're not getting garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that makes a big difference, I think, in in your community and and in your uh, in your body, in your mind. Um, I mean, I. I don't look like it, but I, we've really cut. We've really like took a 180 in two, in 2020 and like dropped a bunch of weight. You know, we're eating super healthy now. We're awesome. like all keto kind of stuff. You know, we're just mm-hmm. trying to keep away from any of the garbage except for pizza. I still love pizza. But you know, but but I don't drink and I don't do other stuff and I don't eat garbage anymore like we used to. And I think that's made a big difference. Is just being a part of that community has also made just a huge, huge difference in in the way we approach that. Yeah. So like all around, kind of like where I live, and I'm like an hour ish north of Pittsburgh. Um, they're starting to do these kind of markets or like. Um, the one over in New Kensington is called uh, Fridays on Fifth, and they have all these food trucks line up, and they block That's off awesome. a decent bit of New Ken. And like my wife and I haven't been able to make it out to any of them because we have something going on pretty much every single Friday. Like um, this, um, in a couple of days here, we're going to be going to New York City because I got my wife stuff to go meet Kelly Clarkson, which is her favorite artist. Um, but hopefully, cool. yeah, hopefully next month we'll be able to go to that one. But like uh, some of, like the food trucks I see in that menu, I'm like, man, they have like two or three dozen of these trucks that just block off one whole part of new Ken and people just go down there and like hang out. And 
it's really, really cool to see too, like all these other just small businesses popping up all over the place. So like, mm-hmm. um, I have a barber that I've gone to for the last probably six years. Holy fuck. I can't fucking believe that. Um, <laughs> I have like my barbecue place. That's, you know, one of a kind. And my brother and I, every time somebody's in town, we always get, take them there because it's so yeah. delicious. Um, yeah, we have like our Mexican place. Like we have all these local businesses all over Pittsburgh here that, uh, my brother and I are like familiar with and know where we want to go whenever we want some, Oh, barbecue. Let's go to big rigs. Let's, uh, you know, you need a haircut. We go to brick and beauty. Um, you need Mexican. We go to Madero Cantina. We have like all these places and we know a lot of the people there. Um, and one thing that was sad there was a churisaria. I'm sure you know what a churisaria is, like the uh, Brazilian, no, steak, uh, Brazilian steakhouse is where they bring the. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There was one called Green Forest Churisaria in Penn Hills, and in 2020, I'll never forget. It was like early April or maybe late March, and this was like right after the initial two weeks. They opened up, and I felt horrible because these people were doing everything they could to make sure they did everything right. So they would have to like cut the meat, put it on a plate on a different table, and then have to bring it over to you. Uh, It was so ridiculous. And like, yeah, because it just jumps from meat to person. Right, right, right. So the saddest part of this whole fucking deal was like these people were the nicest people in the world. They literally hired some girl like fresh out of high school and they paid for her car and paid for her to go through college and everything. And obviously like she worked there and shit. So, but still like these were those kind of people and they had to go out of business because you know, their business got shut down and they were just, they were doing everything they could to do everything right. And that fucking crushed him. Dude, I was crushed when I found that out. I think you guys had just as much of a problem with your leadership destroying businesses that we did in Michigan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, it was, it was brutal. We, we had a business here that there was an old business in this building. I mean, they sold hot dogs. It was a crappy place, but somebody bought it, took it over and they elevated the place to like almost gourmet. If you can believe gourmet hot dogs, but mm-hmm. they did. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> It was like it was a really cool place. They they did a great job, and they opened up like I want to say it was like October of nineteen, and just when twenty hit, like just crushed them. Like they're gone now. Like the guy moved, the guy sold. Like I mean, it destroyed his whole family. He divorced, and they they moved. He moved down south. He was just yeah, it just completely destroyed everything. It took everything away from him. And like, there's how many stories of that, like, do we have from like businesses that just, just didn't survive, you know, that's like, like, that's what I'm saying. Like those markets are so, so, so important to our community, you know, because you're, you're helping that farmer survive like another week, you know, I mean, yeah, it might be a $2 head of lettuce or, or a bag of tomatoes or a couple bucks. But that, you know, every time he sells something, that adds up. And, you know, yeah, the farmers make great money, but they make it for, like, three months a year. <laughs> you know? right. Well, and on top of that, farmers don't get to have a nine-to-five, right? They're, they have to be attentive to their shit at all times. And that's what yeah. nobody talks about. Like, people freak out about um, 
what the like industrial um agriculture when it comes to, like animals like slaughterhouses stuff like that what most yeah. people don't realize is that those cows spend an overwhelming majority i think it's like 80 percent of their life on pasture what do you think the fucking farmers are doing do you think they're sitting there like beating the shit out of the cows or treating them like shit no no they, they fucking yeah. love those animals for their entire lives and then they send them yeah. out to you know hopefully and what i believe this is what happens um I I've seen Sean Baker talk about this a little bit, but like they get a little bullet right in their brain, right. And they're dead mm -hmm. within like less than a half a second. So yeah. what do you think is ultimately worse them getting their organs eaten out by animals in the woods? Or do you think yeah. a little bolt to the brain and they're dead within a half a second is worse? I, I would venture to say, you know, being like paired for your entire life fed on pasture and made, and are there bad farmers? Sure. But like the overwhelming majority yeah. of farmers probably just take care of these cows. They love them like they're fucking dogs. Yep. And then when it's time for them to be rotated out, they probably their first couple of times were like, I don't want to do this, but they understand the nature of the business and then they move on. And so yep. goes on the cycle of life. They're not like sitting here patiently waiting to slit a cow's throat and then kick it in the jaw. Like that's probably not what a majority of them do. No. No, in fact, it's not at all. We I have a guy who we buy like a quarter cow from every oh, that's uh, awesome. yeah. eight months. And um you know, his it's not perfect. His stuff's like grass finished, but not all the way grass fed, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But but he he does great work. The the beef is the best I've ever had. But I was talking to him about that. His family owns a couple restaurants in town. I was talking to him about it and he's like he's like, Yeah, it sucks. It sucks when you have a cow that you've like had for a couple of years you get to know like uh, like it knows your voice it turns around when you say something and then you're like yeah i gotta kill you <laughs> you know he's like it yeah. sucks but it's where our family survives so yeah i mean that's they don't like that none of them enjoy that end of stuff yeah, yeah it's, it's it's gotta be it's gotta be hard like we've my wife and i have talked about getting a little bit of land and getting a couple goats or pigs or whatever mm -hmm. I don't know if I could kill him, <laughs> you know, and for the meat, I don't think I could do that. You know, and I've shot deer before. I've gone on deer hunting and stuff. Like, yeah. you know, the couple times I've shot a deer, you know, it's like the first time I did it, it was like, oh, I just took a life. Mm -hmm. Like, it really, it really struck me. I was like, oh, I, I just took a life. That mm -hmm. took me a few minutes to kind of like, okay, move on. You know, now yeah. let's go get it. Um, then it was excitement, you know, I was like, sweet, I got deer, you know, but, um, yeah, it's, I don't think anybody, if you, if you're like enjoying killing something, then there's something else wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're probably but not a wrong with you. Yeah. 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 Yeah, definitely. There's, there's definitely something wrong with you, but yeah, I, I, I always think about these businesses and these people that have just absolutely lost literally everything, mm. you know, for for what for control yeah. over, over a group of people and it's just it's just so maddening so yeah dude it's it is borderline hard to dwell on because it's like it's easy to remember it now and think like oh that was no big deal because like this is all past and like thank mm -hmm. god but i did a, a podcast a couple weeks ago and i called it the end of an era because it was um it was the day they officially ended the state of emergency and like notice nobody cared nobody like said anything about it, it was just oh this this ended but like when yeah. that was declared that was the cover to completely throw this country into something that we didn't even recognize and i've told this story a million times but 
I'll never forget my wife and I, um, well, we were at Fogger to Chow and I had a green, they have like the green and red for like, if you want them to keep bringing you food or not. And I took a picture of the green card and I sent it to my brother and my dad. And I said, Oh, look, we're at Fogger to Chow. And then that's when we got the text saying we're in a state of emergency. And then like, not even two weeks later, my wife is driving around with a slip that says, show this to the police. If you get pulled over for going to work. I mean that I was like, See, what? it was not that bad in Michigan. It was not that bad in Michigan. Yeah. It was, <clears throat> I was driving. I actually, I delivered wine mm. for a distributor and we had less places because the, the bars weren't open, right. but like, like it was, it went from like a store would get like two or three cases of wine to like a store would get like 30 cases of wine a week. Mm. I mean, like it was crazy how much people were drinking when yeah. that was going on. I mean, they were just, it was, we were selling, we sold more booze in like that six months where everything was kind of shut down yeah. than, than any other time. Like it was just absolutely out of this world, how much mm-hmm. we were going through. I mean, I was going, I was, we had, we bought a bigger van because my deliveries were so like, it was like 60, 80 cases to be like three stops. Holy fuck. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. This is such a fascinating conversation. And this is why I get frustrated when people say the treatment <laughs> is the thing solely responsible for an increase in death over the last couple of years. No, like, no, you have no idea the lasting, we won't know the consequences of what even just six months of harsh lockdowns did for years and years and years to come. Like we have yeah. no, like just that alone. I didn't even know that, you know, I, I thought you were gonna say, Oh, we were only, deli- we were delivering less bottles, but like the fact that you were delivering exponentially more, just think about yeah. that. And like alcohol is the one thing that we know is like a legitimate fucking poison to people. Yeah. And like, yeah. it's not it like, is. you're it not going to die tomorrow. But there are no upsides to alcohol other than like no. w- we enjoy it because it's part of you know social stuff. I still drink whiskey yeah. and shit, but like if you're drinking every day, that is horrible for you. That is one of the only things yeah. that I will say like that shit is bad for you. I mean, there's no upside other than just you're enjoying yourself. That's really yeah. all that alcohol is yeah. for. Yeah, and those people in in how many of those people just can't stop after Exactly. six months yeah. you know six months you're getting extra money you're you're going out you're buying cases of wine instead of bottles yeah you know and you're just drinking and drinking and drinking it's like when when it first started one of the things that happened too was one of the one of our reps you know she disappeared and we're like what's going on what's going on well one of her really close friends when everything was first hidden killed himself because he was like oh we're all gonna die he literally killed himself because of that Wow. You know, how many other people did that? You know, it's just what that did, like the destruction that that did. Yeah, you're right. We're never, we're not going to see that destruction for another probably five or six years, if not more. Like the real destruction, like the livers mm-hmm. that are just gone. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that are people that will never recover, will never recoup, like their losses of businesses, of families, of loved ones you know grandma's sitting behind curtains you know that you can't go see because you know they're dying alone in the hospital you know it's like it's just it it was it was probably one of the the most horrid and and just 
um, I don't even have words for it. It, it was just, just god awful, like yeah. what it did to people. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it really is insane to think about that. You literally had people standing outside of um, retirement homes to go, you know, basically talk to their loved ones through a window yeah. as you know they take some of their last breaths. I mean, that shit is just unforgivable. And like you said, yeah, how many people just is. were fucking zeroed out? Like they were just hanging on. And then next thing you know, bam, you can't go to work anymore. And this kind of goes back to the thing I was saying earlier, where like the machine's not built for content. You can't tell yeah. a guy who's used to fucking working a hundred hours a week to just go sit at home and wait this one out. Like that <laughs> does not compute. No. Yeah, you can't tell no, people. No, it doesn't work. Yeah, you can't tell people who want to fucking rock and roll every day that you just gotta you just gotta hang on for a little bit. Like I said, does yeah. not compute. You will yeah. zero those fucking people out, and they will have a fucking problem. Yeah, some people aren't built to just sit still. <laughs> I'll admit, like the first two weeks, like I was like, oh crap, what's going on? Mm-hmm. You know, like we get, I get home from work and throw all my clothes in the laundry, you know, immediately, and take a shower, and it's like the first like two days I did that, and then. After about a, after about ten days of all that, I was like, "Yeah, this is bullshit." <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, my wife and I were really sick. I think we had it. We never got tested, but we had it like right when it first was going down. Mm. You know, she, I, we were both really, really sick. I had a huge, like, big respiratory thing, and so did oh. my wife. Um, she was down for almost three weeks. I think I was down for about ten days, but I didn't take a day off work. Like I was still working that whole time, you <laughs> know. I was like, I don't stop when I'm sick, you know. But yeah, yeah it was, it was, uh, yeah. When you're saying going back to the driving thing, like I was driving all over the state, and it was great because nobody was on the road. Like literally, <laughs> nobody was on the road. I was making it from my house, from from our warehouse to Detroit, was about two and a half hours. I was making it in two hours. Like, oh, cops yeah. wouldn't even, they would just wave at me as I was doing, like, a 100 miles an hour pass. Like, they didn't care. <laughs> they weren't pulling me over, you know. Nobody was pulling anybody over. Ah, you ain't gonna hurt but, nobody. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, literally nobody, it was, it was like, some trucks and then me in my little van, like, just flying down the road. Nobody was on there. It was great for traffic. Like, I was making it to the other side of the state and back and, like, couple hours each way it was awesome <laughs> like that was that was the only good upside to it It was like the traffic died yeah but... um so kind of pivoting on there there was a something that i think you and i both probably came to a similar place to um i was pretty involved in the libertarian party as i know you once were because you sent me a yeah. uh, interesting email to say the uh to, to say oh, the God, least. i forgot about that yeah <laughs> um now i did calling for the mises caucus in um leading up to the convention for 2022 i believe and okay. all the mises caucus people got elected and then we <laughs> we ran a senate or a guy for senate who basically was no different than dr oz or fetterman in all their positions and as much as people want to like talk shit about fetterman you're well still beat us right? Yeah, he still but beat us. The thing is, is that him and Oz agree on pretty much everything. I mean, there is no yeah. discernible difference. They're Zionists. They're China Hawks. They both One believe can in speak better, but that's about yeah. it. Yeah, they're both tra- they're both for transing the kids. They're both gun grabbers. And the only difference with our Senate candidate was that he was probably wasn't for trans kids, and he probably wasn't a gun grabber. Other than that, 
pretty much lines up with the rest of them. And then you come to find out some inner workings of the party and you figure out that it, it kind of became a glorified swingers club. And at that point, I'm like, all right, well, I no longer wish to be a part of this because those you guys had to do for like some of the stuff that you're running. Give me a call. I'll set you straight on the yeah. issues. I know about the foreign policy stuff. And yeah. Yep. The, the, we, we could talk about that. But like if we're going to run a dude who's a China hawk and just repeating boomer con talking points and we took over the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania just so that way everybody could stick their dick into somebody else um, and, and, you know, wear the golden star around their penis or whatever. Um, I, I no longer have an interest and I have plenty of better things to do with my time, like record this yeah. podcast, like spend time with my wife, who yeah. I don't get to spend a lot of time with because we work, I don't want to say different hours, but we both work a lot. And we have a lot going on. There, yeah. there are much better things to do with my time than yes. spend, than go to meetings for a couple hours on a Saturday, which is the only day of the week that my wife and I mutually have off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. No. Yeah. For me, it was, um, I was heavily involved in the LP, um, in the Michigan LP. I was on the board. I had, okay, so going back, um, a very very great podcaster who I dearly really loved and enjoyed was his name was Doc Thompson. He was on Glenn Beck's network. Mm. He would call himself libertarian, but he kind of was, kind of wasn't. You know, he was in that somewhere in between there. Um, he got hit by a train and died. Oh, like geez. crazy, crazy story. I still think Glenn Beck killed him, but um, uh, <laughs> but no, well, was he, he beginning he, to ask the JQ or something? Yeah, he, <laughs> he 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 got hit by a train and died. And um, so I was looking for a new podcast, and I found Dave Smith, and I was like, "Ooh, a real libertarian," you know. Sorry, um, but listening to Dave Smith and listening to uh, who's the other guy, um, Tom Woods, and their big push at that time was pulling people into the Mises caucus to take over the party. And I was like, after a couple months of it, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'll do it. I'll join. And heist called me. I'm driving. He called me. I had to pull over. We talked for a while and I was like, yeah, no, I'm not joining. Um, and then I, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll finally join. And so I ended up joining, I got elected to the board um, the joined the Mises caucus, joined the, the joined the LP, got elected to the board, took over the West Michigan party as the chair of that. Um, heavily involved, I was running a bunch of stuff. Couple things happened. One, um, the LP, especially the Mises caucus, fought me on a. It was it was a bill that was going through our Michigan House that would have prevented businesses from um forcing people to take a certain thing and they weren't allowing you know we wanted to stop that by by using the state to stop businesses from being able to say you have to do this and they said no you can't do that that's we're not going to back that because that's that's using government to tell businesses what to do and i was floored absolutely floored and I was told and threatened that if I went for that and pushed that, that we back, that the Libertarian Party backed that, that um, I would be removed. And I was like, let's go. I love challenge. Let's go. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I, I fought him and I fought him and I fought him and then got kicked out of the uh, Mises caucus for fighting them. And then the only people I had to work with were the people 
on the left side of the Libertarian Party who I I had a lot I, I have zero alignment with any of those people. But they were the only people, and and they were actually nice, and they would listen, and they would say, "Yeah, I agree, disagree with you, but I think we need to do this, so let's go for it." Wow. And um, so it, it just, and then the guy that runs, that was running the Michigan Mises Caucus, is just narcissist and insane. So like, it just it got bad, like it got really bad. I'll tell you off air, like something that happened. <laughs> so, um. It got super bad. Um, I got booted out of meetings. I I got shit talked about me. Um, one of the best things that happened was towards the end of me, when I was leaving the LP, I tweeted on my old Twitter account that got nuked for saying that you should bitch slap a certain government official. Um, so, uh, and, and then Mark Claire retweeted that. Mm-hmm. And this started this whole controversy, and that that's when he was leaving the Lions of Liberty. But it was like he did the whole he did this whole podcast about like that tweet and about yep. how people from the LP were just losing their mind over this tweet that was really like all it said was Dave Smith and Tom Woods were pulling me into the LP, and and Pukenones is pulling me out of the LP. You know, and it, that's all the tweet said, and I was getting like. Uh, Jack Lloyd was like ripping on me and saying all kinds of weird stuff. And oh, I, that's I, real autistic Spurg. Yeah. Well, and, and I sent him a message. I'm like, hey, man, if you want to talk about what happened, I'd love to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And the response back I got was, go fuck yourself. And it was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's how people, that's, that's how they are. And so right. just because of all that stuff, I'm like, you know, I don't think, and, and then the big part about it was, I really wanted us to concentrate on local only races i didn't want to deal with any of the governor any of those races so you put you put a name in there and just don't do anything because you have to have a name in there Mm -hmm. um if you want to stay on the ballot in michigan but like let's let's run people for school boards for governor or for i'm sorry school board sheriff um all the local boards and they were like no that's not a winning strategy so we threw away maybe a hundred thousand dollars for literally no seats. Holy my fuck. wife, my wife ran and she got the most, I think she got the most votes and she did no campaigning, mm-hmm. but she ran for a state Senate seat. Um, but yeah, it was, it was crazy. Like, and, and I was just like, I'm done. I can't deal with these people anymore. They're a bunch of autistic fucks. And I just, I cannot, I can't handle this. That's literally like the exact opposite of what the Mises caucus kind of preaches though. That's kind of funny because it's supposed to be low. 100% opposite. Yeah. 100% that's opposite. Unreal. And especially like to have Jack Lloyd and I've stuck up for Pete to Jack Lloyd. And that's kind of like where me and Pete officially like started talking. It's just funny. Cause like, I think people have this impression of Pete that he's some kind of like asshole. And yeah, he definitely projects that way on Twitter. But like, if you talk to Pete, He's sincerely one of the nicest dudes I know. Like, sincerely, just one of the nicest people who's done yeah. absolutely nothing but wish me well. <laughs> so, like, I yeah, and, I and no you guys and you guys fundamentally disagree on a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but he still he still is like, hey, you're a human being, and I'm gonna, you know, it's cool. You're you're yeah. you're good. But yeah, he and, like messaged me about diet stuff, and you know, he knows that I got his back. He, I know he's yeah. got my back. That's what fucking it, matters. And that's the problem is that the the people like the autistics in the LP can't do that. They can't go, it's cool we disagree. It's totally cool. We're on the same team for the most part. 
they they can't do that. They have to always be right. You know, one of the things I would joke about was the fact that they would they would argue if like mowing somebody's lawn was a violation of the nap. Like that was a joke I made. I saw that same tweet about a month ago. And I swear I should I should have screenshot the damn thing. But somebody was like, "Is it is it against the nap to like to if your neighbor mows your lawn?" And I was, <laughs> I was just like, "Holy shit!" It came true. Somebody actually said it, mm. and I was hoping it was a joke, but I wasn't sure <laughs> if it was a joke. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they you know the LP or the the Mises they preach like individualism and all that stuff, but they wouldn't allow me to be an individual standing up for what I thought was right. All right, guys, we are going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about the show's sponsor. We are now brought to you by Fox and Sons Coffees. You can see right here, I got the Den Blend Dark. Really enjoy that. Um, I've been drinking a lot of their Brazil honey prep right here. You can hear there's not a lot of beans left in it because I've been drinking it quite a bit. Um, just tell you a little bit about Fox and Sons, why I support them and why you should too, is that uh, Stephen had started the company up in Michigan to help teach his son about entrepreneurship. Um, I'm all about that. And I do firmly believe that in order to spread liberty in our lifetimes, we have to support those who support similar values as us. And Stephen does support all the same libertarian values that I bring and talk about on the show a lot. So go to foxandsons.com, use code Kyle at checkout to get 15% off of orders, $25 or more. And there's always free shipping whenever you place an order that is more than $37.99. Um, find their coffee absolutely fantastic, and I'm sure you will too. So uh, one more time, go to foxandsons.com, use code KYLE at checkout to get yourself a little discount, let them know I sent you, and support the coffee that supports you. All right, guys, thanks. Back to the show. Like, they, they came after me hard for standing up what was right, what I thought was right. Yeah. You know, and... and, and you can't use the state to like fight the state. It's just it's asinine. Like that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. You know, it, this just that's ridiculous. And you know, we can't run anybody local. You know, we have to only run these these major races that will never ever ever win that we might get three percent for. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to pick an ideology that would I'd be closest to, I mean, it probably would still be the LP. But I just. I cannot work. I just can't work with those people. Yeah. And it sucks because like like Smith and Ron Paul and Spike, you know, those guys are awesome and I think they get it and they they can they can argue those points but still actually, you know, in the guys from Lions Liberty, uh McWilliams and um Odermatt, like they're great at both sides of the issue they can they can understand the other side they can they can do it without being an autistic fuck yeah. but but 99% of the people that are in that party can't do that it's impossible for them to do that. Yeah, I think the one thing that Pete kind of woke me up to is looking at governance is more of um, a tool. And I, I kind of use this saying all the time, but it's essentially like fire, right? You can use it to heat your home or you can use it to burn your house down. You can mm-hmm. use it to burn your neighbor's house down. Well, I mean, at this point, we probably should accept that we're not going to have Ancapistan anytime soon. So um, wouldn't it be preferable that we would use the state to make sure that um, a certain treatment doesn't get mandated versus it getting mandated? Um, if you have to pick the lesser of two evils here, then um, if you know the option is not man or no mandates versus mandates, I'd say no mandates is probably the lesser of two evils. And in that situation, 
why is anybody going to fight you um and say that this is you know an invalid use of uh the state like I, it's not perfectly, yeah it's it's not no, perfect it's, libertarianism but who cares who cares yeah yeah we're not living in a libertarian world i'm sorry just, we're not there we'll never be there if we keep fighting this way yeah. and yeah it was it was incredibly frustrating and, and and very hurtful and it was like you know because my wife and i we gave a lot to the party like we really did for a couple of years like we were super involved you know she was running the conventions i was doing other stuff and like we kicked a lot of ass and did a lot of stuff but like literally nothing meant anything mm-hmm. you know you, you you'd put on a rally for like gun rights and six people would show up mm. <laughs> yeah like, okay you know there's nothing i mean i can't people don't care you know and, and the, the other thing i found funny was most of the people that in the michigan op a lot of them like all work government jobs <laughs> so it's like, that is that's pretty ironic <laughs> yeah yeah like one of the guys that was running for something was like retired post office guy and you know it's like it's just so funny it was like you guys all work for the government you know school teachers and stuff and it's like you know, how am I supposed to believe you or, or think you're not a Fed when you work for the Feds? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's actually very, very ironic. Um, it, it's kind of funny because, like, you mentioning that, it, it almost seems like when you set up these political events, you're already doomed to fail, like, right off the go. But I'll tell you what, mm-hmm. I've hosted two uh, breast cancer charities and raised thousands to give to people who legitimately need the money um yeah. i've told the story a couple of times but like rock for trish too um which was the second one i did um i just didn't do one the following year i literally gave um someone i went to high school with and graduated with i gave his mom i think it was almost three thousand dollars and she was able to take care of like a lot of her cancer treatments and like co-pays for an entire year mm-hmm. i mean that shit fuck any of the political stuff yeah that that legitimately could have potentially saved somebody's life and like not to say that nothing political matters but like i don't know man if i can throw you know call up a couple of my buddies and we all bring some alcohol and our pa and have a good time and you know 300 people show up and we have a good time you you don't get that same roi on a fucking political event no no and like kids even going back to what we were talking about earlier like you know, you're you're doing that for the community. You're doing that for people's lives. You're doing, the, you know, the farmers markets. You know, like you're supporting people that are small businesses that are kind of out of the matrix. Right. You know, they're not working for like um, some of the big, you know, big, not big farm. I'm trying to think like big ag. You know, they're not working yeah. for those guys. I can't think of any of those names right now. Monsanto, um, yeah, you're not working for any of those companies. You're working for like, you know, you're 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 supporting, you know, Bob and Gertrude that have 40 acres down the street and like grow killer radishes, you know, and that are better for you than a potato if you bake it right. Um, so those are the, you know, you're you're not only doing stuff better for you and your body and your system, but you're doing stuff better for the community, you know, and you're gonna do better going to your local school board meeting and um you know confronting people that are doing stuff that are they shouldn't be doing mm-hmm. you know or or pushing back or you know posting about it talking about it doing like little you can do like a 30 second video on on you know a local page saying hey this is what they're doing in the school now we got to stop this you're doing more doing that than the LP has ever accomplished. 
Yeah, you, you just are. You know, and that's and I think that's where it comes down to. It's like we're either going to make these changes in our lives and our family and our churches and in our communities by people that just give a shit. You know, or or we're not. And again, I have not seen the LP do jack shit for like that. But I've seen you know, you've done your cancer stuff. You know, we've, you know, we've done stuff like charity stuff for people before. Just we don't even talk about it. We just, you know, just do it and be quiet and send 500 bucks here, a thousand bucks there, 50 bucks. My wife doesn't even know sometimes I give out stuff like that. She has no clue. You know, it's just, you know, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. You know, it's mm-hmm. scriptural. So sorry. If you, know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, it's just, we, I think we really, really need to focus as a community, you know, whether it's the post-libertarians or whatever we call ourselves, um, we really need to focus on that rather than like, what's the LP doing? What's the LP not doing? What's the, what's the Republican party doing? What's Trump doing? What's, you know, I mean, yeah, it pisses you off and you see videos online of like, you know, the, for the 16th time, like a white chick getting beat up by like 16 other people <laughs> um you know it's it's super frustrating and you, you get mad and but like in <clears throat> reposting that and making a big comment about how everybody's this and everybody's that doesn't solve a damn thing right you know it just doesn't solve a thing um going into your community going into your school going into your you know doing those things and, and going in there and and helping that's where we make the changes. And I, God, I'm sorry, I sound like a freaking bleeding heart now, but I really, I think that's, I think that's how we make our changes in our own lives and in the lives of others. Yeah, dude, I, I agree completely. And it's kind of cool, um, you know, you know this from having your own business, but you know, also like I worked for my dad for probably close, I'd say probably about a year total. And okay. the one thing that's insane to me, and he owns an auto shop and he's the third generation business owner. Um, and I mean, it wasn't like he got it from his dad. Like, you know, there was our, my great grandfather who had one and then my grandfather had one. And then, you know, there was no Matovic auto and then my dad opened it up. Um, there's something just mind boggling about standing in front of somebody and them telling you, I remember watching your grandfather grow up. And I said there had to be another one. And then, like, these people follow you all throughout your life and just see, you know, me grow up. They watch my dad grow up. And, like, seeing the cars that, like, my grandfather worked on. My grandfather died when I was 15. But, like, just to think, like, this is – that's, like, a community right there is just knowing that there's hundreds of people who do this. Oh, Glenny, you're Glenny's kid. Like, just that kind of shit just – it's so weird to think about, but that's kind of like how I feel like things used to be. And I think if we get more involved in these, you know, farmers markets and kind of just talking to local people, people who are in our communities, that's kind of something that we can aspire towards. And I think it will lead to more freedom and a better outcome because we're not going to get, you know, a Dave Smith or, you know, even another Ron Paul possibly into Congress, into the Senate, or especially not into the presidency. But you can go support your local farmers and your local barber, your local bar, people like that who, you know, 
are, who, who cares what their politics are? They're in your community yeah. and they're a good person and they just want to feed their families the same way as you do. You can support those yep. people and that increases the freedom in your vicinity because you're no longer yeah. dependent on things outside of it. Well, one of the things Pete talks about a lot, I guess this is like the We Love Pete show, but the one thing Pete <laughs> talks about a, a ton that really resonates with me and, and like I could never do it. Maybe that's the problem is I feel like I can never do it. But like somebody running for sheriff, like a sheriff has more power than anybody else in the community. Absolutely. You know, like they have the most power. So like if somebody really wants to make a change, run for that sheriff's office. Like there was a guy in uh, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan that during the COVID mandates, he's like, no, we're not doing a thing. We're not, we're not changing anything. We're not stopping no, anything. All cops are bastards though, Steven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's there's another story I have for you, but yeah, yeah, but all cops are bastards, you know. But yeah, there's one guy, there's there's one guy who's standing up that's saying we we will not do this. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was one of the things that pushed me away from the anarchists. Yeah. Was like the the you know, like the we'd be in the middle of a uh, of a convention, somebody would be like, "Fuck the police!" And it's like, seriously, just stop. Like, just yeah. grow up and stop. Mm. Um. Or you get the anarchists or like, you know, I hate all cops. I hate all cops. It's like, you know, like one of my closest friends is a cop and, and I worry about him. Like I got a message on my phone the other day from him. He's like, Hey, I'm going into a high school reports of a gun. Pray for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that that's chilling. Like, I don't know if I'll see my friend again. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like luckily oh, they're, they're, no yeah, they're, they're all but they're, bad they're bastards. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, they're, dude, all, they're I, all bastards. I've gone to bat for or you know with people over this shit all the time because it's like you realize that okay, so like the f- probably most famous story was uh, that cop in New Jersey with Ian Smith, where uh, the cop said, "You are all directly in violation of federal laws and lockdowns right now." With that being said, have a nice day and walks away. Yeah, you're gonna tell me that dude's an asshole. I'm sorry. I would yeah. much rather be on that dude's side than the fucking anarchist tweak than ace archists tweaking out and quote tweeting people, right? I'm sorry. Yeah. The sheriff that chose not to enforce the fucking lockdowns is way more my friend than yep. any anarchist who's completely checks off every single fucking arbitrary libertarian principle yep. that there is. So guess what? No, I don't think all cops are bastards. I think they're not libertarians and they're they sincerely believe most of them sincerely believe that they're serving protecting because that's yeah. what they were told from the time that they were kids. They're not libertarians. I, I cannot stand yeah. this line of thinking. I mean, if, if I was, if I was a cop, the first person made me run, I'd shoot. Like mm-hmm. I'd shoot him. Like you're making me run. No, you're not making me run. Shoot. Boom. Done. You're done. I'm not chasing you. You're dead. You know? Like, <laughs> just, like I would, but, but like, you know, I've been the asshole in the car too, where I'm like screaming at a cop that pulled me over for a seatbelt ticket. It's like, it's bullshit. Yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah, he's just fundraising. Yeah, I can't stand this fact that I just got pulled over for this. But I knew the law and I didn't have a seatbelt on. Right. It was my fault. <laughs> it's still my fault. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, it sucks when you get pulled over and you got a, a $250 fine for a, a stupid ticket of like going five over. Like that's what they are in Michigan now at least. Mm. Um, that blows. But that's what the community sets. The community sets that, you know, like I don't like it. I'm not happy about it, but it sets it. But, you know, 
these guys that are bitching about all cops are bastards and stuff like that, you know, as soon as, as soon as their business gets burned down, who are they going to call? You know, they're going right. to call the fire department and the cops, you know, as soon as, as soon as their wife gets run over by somebody or raped for heaven forbid, you know, who are they going to call? They're not, they're not going to go, I'll be the vigilante. They're going to be crying at the cop's shoulder. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to stop this. You need to, you know, but, but yet all the cops are bastards mm-hmm. and like, I get it. I understand why. And, and I've gone through the phase and I've, I've been mad at cops before and, but it changes like it changes your mind when you have a very close friend, you know, the guy stood up at my wedding. I stood up at his wedding. We've been friends for 30 years. You know, right. it's like I was, you know, his wife died of cancer a couple of years ago. It sucked, but he's not a bastard, man. The guy's a good man. The guy's let people go for tickets that he should have, he should have probably arrested people. Like and he's All let right. people go. He's like, you know, I'm just not in the mood to deal with this today. Just stop doing stuff. Stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's probably the most level headed cop ever. I've ever known. Yeah, and <laughs> but yeah, but but then you have yeah, and that's that again. That's what totally will push me away from the whole anarchist idea. Or mm. well, that it just will never work. Like it's impossible. Mm. I mean, anarchy just it can't. You can't have a society function with anarchy. I just I, I'll I'll never believe in that. <laughs> so. Yeah, it, it's it, it really is kind of like an ideal, and you know I would still consider myself like an anarchist at heart, but it's like when where how what when's that going to happen it's it's yeah. kind of like pure communism right it's it's an ideal you could strive towards it but chances are you're probably never going to see it but one yeah. thing that kind of kept popping in my mind when we were talking about like the farmers market stuff this is kind of like a form of anarchy because this is just where people voluntarily come together to do trade without government or yeah. anything like that yeah. it's a peaceful place and then people you know, they take care of shit. I'm sure if, you know, you saw somebody walk right in the middle of where the whole market is and they start dropping stuff or taking a shit right in front of where all the kids are, people would probably be pissed off and probably tell them, we're, we're going to physically remove you. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Or they would I'd call the cops. <laughs> I'd physically remove somebody in a heartbeat. I have no problem with yeah. that. You know, right. it's like. I carry a 38 or 380, you know, <laughs> like I have to carry myself. I will. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, you totally. I, I can see that. I can I can kind of see that end of it. And I think it can work, like the anarchism thing can work if you have a group of people that all agree and that you don't yeah. have anybody that's selfish. Right. But the last time I checked, man, there's very few people that are selfish. Well, I threw out a and, tweet about, uh, someone was talking about immigration. And the way that I kind of see this is that cultural values do matter, right? Like you have to have some oh, kind yeah. of shared yeah. vision, right? And this is kind of why I like Vivek Ramswamy is because he kind of has this idea of like nationalism and like that gets such a dirty like tinge to it. But really, I think it just means having pride in something like greater than yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like see this whole idea of like, it's, I don't want to say it's replacing religion, but like kind of giving people something to aspire to. that isn't just, you know, whatever worldly pleasure is right now, right? You're looking for something bigger. I, I like that kind of aspect of wanting to put something above you. Um, yeah. So like when you have a, you know, a group of people who don't share your values moving into a community that doesn't share your values, it's going to be a problem. But though, yeah. if they have like economic output, well, now that's not quite as much of a factor, but it's still a factor and probably not good. Now, if you have a community that has no economic output and no shared values, there's absolutely going to be chaos because yeah. nothing means anything. Well, you, you go into any inner city, you're going to see that. Oh, absolutely. It's, yeah. it's 100% chaos. You know, 
I was thinking about this a while back, but when I, I I'm I'm old. I was born in seventy two. Um in seventy six I remember the big like two hundred year celebration or whatever, yeah. You know, country around for two hundred years. Mm. Um the bicentennial, I think yeah, it was called. There were like sashes everywhere across the city. Like mm. everywhere. Like the fourth of July was the was a huge, huge thing. And like I just remember being so proud of mm. like country, you know, it was like yeah. feeling, you know, I guess that was the 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 um what's the word I want to look for? Um you know, growing up in the eighties, like you had that pride. You know, you had you know, like I remember I, I distinctly remember the the shift from where people were proud of being an American and proud of growing up here to where it was like, oh, this is the worst country ever. You know, we killed everybody. So everything's our problem. We've, we're, we're everybody's fault. Like, you know, like, I remember that shift, like, from the 80s to the 90s where that happened. But, like, people were proud to be Americans. I mean, I was four, but it was, it was an awesome thing. It was a big celebration. You know, everywhere went nuts. Um, and there was pride there. And I think when you had that, people were like, people were more likely to be nicer to each other. You know, there wasn't this like, you know, there wasn't people fighting in the streets. There wasn't like people pushing other people downstairs in New York. You know, there wasn't any of that stuff, you know, in front of trains, that stuff didn't happen. I mean, it did, but it wasn't nearly what it is now. But I think part of it's because of, of, the values that we had of like, you know, the, the pride and the values and the, and the mutual respect for your neighbor. Now everybody just hates everybody else. Yeah. In fact, I used to say, it was like, I hate everybody. (laughs) It was like, it wasn't true, but it was something to say, but you know, it can, it can get to the point where you do end up hating everybody. And I think that's when, when you, when all you have is hate in your heart and all you have is malice for other people and no pride and, where you are, who you grew up in, your community, your family, um, that shows in everything else. And that, and that, that becomes who you are. And then you have these people that just are just downright evil because of it. Yeah. So dude, it's a, it's a bad place to be. And that's why, um, someone came at me the other day for posting, uh, pictures. They said, Oh, well, you're like thirst trapping or something like that. But like, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure you've probably felt this too when you see people post like couples pictures. There, there's been a part of me that's like, ah, I just want to tell people quit being so fucking PDA. But then, like, it took me a minute or two. I'm like, you know what? No, these people are legitimately happy together, and they want to share this with everybody because they think this this means something to them. Like, sometimes I really, really try now, especially on Twitter, to like take a second or two and try to encourage people to post more like good stuff rather than just like that. So mm-hmm. like, I, I do not, I've, I've started blocking Ian Miles Chong, Elijah Schaefer, um, all the engagement brokers who just constantly feed you shit that it's like, that, that sometimes seeing the shit makes me like physically uncomfortable. Like that video. It's almost that- hate porn. Oh yeah, it is. There was that yeah. uh, blonde girl who was screaming, you know, a hard R like in front of all of these people in the city after she just got punched in the mouth. Like that legitimately made me uncomfortable to watch. I'm like, this is fucking horrible. Why are people yeah. watching this? Part? I can't share this to people because yeah. th- 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 there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing good. 
it's literally just yep. like, like you said, hate porn. You you get this yeah. dopamine because you're seeing somebody suffer, and then like you could have a comment about it. it's going to get a bunch of likes. Like, no, I don't want to share that shit anymore. I don't. I, I yeah. want to. I want to give people information that's going to help them. I want people to be happier after they see the stuff that I say, or at least more well informed. I don't want to make people miserable every single time they look at my Twitter. I got that way when like all the videos were coming out earlier this year of um like. You know, you see like a white kid in school just getting the shit beat out of them by oh, black yeah. kids. I just I got to the point where I was like and I was sharing it and I was like, these and I just got to the point where I was like, I cannot share that crap anymore. I have to and I fight myself. Like I get caught up in it. You look and you're watching it something and you're like share and you're like, Nope, not gonna share that. You know, yeah. not gonna share that. And like that's part of the reason I took my Facebook down a couple years ago was like all I was doing was just like, like just ragging on everything, and I was like, hey, people that stopped talking to me, you know, mm-hmm. it was because I was becoming an asshole with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I had to stop. And you know, like, Twitter was fun at first when it was like, oh, let me just be, let me, let me just be an anonymous asshole on Twitter, mm-hmm. you know. And and you get yeah, you get to the point where you're like, I have to stop sharing this stuff. I have to share positive stuff. Right. You know, like post pictures of you and your wife. That's awesome, man. I like, I I love posting pictures of my wife. My wife's beautiful. She's awesome. I love her. Like, she's the absolute best thing in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, there is nothing better than my wife for me. Um, it, it, yeah, the greatest thing I have is is her company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm proud of that. Like, I'm absolutely proud of that. And so, yeah, if I have, there's pictures of us, like, yeah, I'll take it and I'll post it. And if you don't like it stop following me i'll block you i don't really give a crap (laughs) you know and like yeah so if people if people have a problem with you posting those kind of pictures block them dump them who cares like they're just miserable fucks and they want everybody to be as miserable as they are that's all it comes down to the insta blocks are definitely people who rip on my wife just because like first of all she's responsible for what i say i'm responsible for what i say and and like Mm -hmm. she, she more than likely agrees with me on all this stuff, but you know what's funny is like she's apolitical. She's not worried about all the political shit. So yeah. don't don't bring her into my business. If you're gonna say yeah. dumb shit about my wife, first of all, my wife is fucking stunning. But like, I'm, I'll just fucking block you. I'm not dealing yeah. with that. Yep. And yeah. that's why I'll, I'll tweet out occasionally. You know, I'll say like something. The other day I tweeted about, um, I thought I was going to have like a shitty gym session, but then I hit all new records. And then always after something like that, I'll put post W's and post them often just because I want people to think like, oh, next time I have a good gym session, next time I cook something that was good, next time I had a really nice dinner with my wife, next time, whatever, share it. Put that yeah. out there so that way people feel more encouraged to share something positive rather yeah. than you watching somebody get kicked the shit out of. Like, I'd much rather see that. And yeah, it's not quite like as engaging when you see something that doesn't just outrage you. But like, there's something a lot better about being in the mind space of like seeing somebody happy than just seeing yeah. miserable shit constantly. I, I, I've really tried to avoid sharing shit there's- like that. There's way too much misery in the world, man. Absolutely. There's just way too much misery. And, you know, you could encourage somebody, too. It's like, hey, you know, you you kind of, you know, you get some things together. You could have a, you know, gorgeous wife, too. You know, like, mm-hmm. it could be, you know, for all the incels in the LP, that could be great. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, you know, that, that could be encouraging to those poor guys. Um, but, yeah, it's like, I, th- I think that that is something that... Um, you know, encouraging people. Like one of the things, and I hate even talking about stuff like this sometimes, but 
you know, one of the things I, you know, if I see somebody post something that's kind of hard, I'm like, I'll send them a private message. I'm like, hey, man, I'm praying for you. Mm-hmm. You know, and it might not be like this. I think people kind of expect this big, long, like, like I'm going to pray for four hours. And it's like, no, man. It's like, hey, Kyle's having a rough day. God, just help him out, send him some love, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it can be something that simple, you know. Or it's like, you know, I tell people, too, it's like, if I'm going to do that, it's like, I'm going to do that um, today. And if I remember tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. But I'm not guaranteeing anything. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I'll, I'll say that. You know, it's like, I think that's opened the doors for me to be able to talk with people that that I don't think it would ever have talked to me otherwise. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's people that that I talk to behind the scenes that I don't think would ever really talk to me in, unless I was, you know, doing something. And I'm not doing it for that reason, but it's like, it's kind of cool. Like, there's some people that I know that I you know, text back and forth with that I'm kind of shocked that I do. <laughs> it's yeah. like... So, um, but it's because, you know, you reach out and do those things. And it's like, I, I, I really think that the, the better way to go for your mindset, for my mindset, for our, you know, for our community, um, is really just doing those encouraging things. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like you had a great set, you know, if I saw it on Twitter, I'd be like, awesome, man. That's great. I'm so happy for you. Mm -hmm. Do it again tomorrow. You know? I don't see that stuff a lot. I'm I'm on Twitter like a second here and a second there. I'm not. I don't spend like hours on Twitter. I think like some people do, but yeah. like you know, I think that's part of what we what we should be doing and and how we should be acting towards each other, you know. Or like, you know, if somebody if somebody has a bummer of a day, it's like, hey man, thinking about you. Is there anything I can do to help you out? Mm-hmm. You, you know, do you need something? You know, or like, there's times like you know, you send a bag of coffee to those people. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, don't say anything. Just throw a bag in the mail. It's like, here's a bag of coffee. I'll enjoy it. it those are, you just do that kind of stuff. And that's part of what I love that I get to do is like, mm-hmm. I get to do that. And people don't, people might not know where it came from. Cause I'm like, hey, man, do you have this person's address? I want to send them something. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, you get to do that. It's, it's kind of fun. That's part of the fun of owning your own business, you know, or like if you, you know, if you guys, are doing I, I know somebody else that's doing a uh fundraiser for somebody's cancer stuff and it's like I get to be a part of that, you know. I'm yeah. behind the scenes part of it, but you know, donate a couple hundred bucks and be a part of it, you know, through the business. It's great. It's a write off, but it's also helping them out. Yeah. You know so if we're not part of the solution, we're part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's like we just gotta act like men, man. That's what we're called to do. We're supposed to be men we're supposed to act like men you know it sucks sometimes it's not fun all the time and it being responsible sometimes is not the best part of life but it's also um what we're supposed to be and who we're supposed to be yeah absolutely um i think it's a perfect place to wrap it up man um i, I really really enjoyed this conversation so we'll definitely have to do it again yeah, sometime yeah. um go ahead throw all your plugs in anything cool you got going on and where everybody can find you and support you um fox and sun coffee um fox f-o-x n-s-o-n-s dot com um order what's your i forgot what your code is kyle just K-Y-L. kyle uh, kyle uh code for your discount on that um let's see what else uh i'm periodically on some shows you know just kind of I'm, I'm b-team steve on justin's show uh his morning show 
because they always call me when nobody else shows up. So B Team Steve on there. Um, but that's about it, man. That's foxandsons.com. Um, I do photography, so if you have anything that you need photographed, you know, you can send it to me. We can talk, and I'll photograph it here and send it back to you. So that's oh, what I do. Man. Nice. All right. Well, like I said, I really, really appreciate it. Everyone, make yeah, sure you go you, to Fox. Yeah, of course. Make sure you go to foxandsons.com. Check out all the links in the description below, as that will be there as well. And uh, until next time, everybody, thanks for listening and take care. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.